is Upfront on the Voice of America. I'm Jackson Vungani. Thank you so much for joining us today. Human rights groups say that citizens in many African countries still struggle with issues linked to restrictions on their freedom of expression, peaceful assembly and association. The goal of the campaign is to shed light on human rights defenders across the world who are in prison for their human rights activity. That is David Cody. He's the lead for advocacy and campaigns for the organization Civicus. He joins us from Johannesburg, South Africa to talk about the Stand as My Witness campaign. I never really understood the magnanimity, the magnanimity of my father's strength in influencing people with his music and all of that. Until much later, in the in, you know, when I was in my late high school, Nigerian singer Okwe Osadebe joins us to talk about his new album Ibo Amaka and the legacy of his father, the legendary highlife musician Chief Osita Osadebe. Plus a report on Sierra Leonean youth crossing the borders daily into neighboring Guinea looking for work. But first, let's hear from you, our listeners. We ask you to reflect on the legacy of the late South African president and anti-apartheid icon Nelson Mandela. My name is Chimuli Philip from Uganda, Kampala. Okay, um, about the legacy of Nelson Mandela... This was a man who was selfless. He didn't think about only himself, but he thought about the generations to come. Also, much as he fought for all the things he did, he did not be greedy for the things he fought for. He had to set an example that even if you've suffered for something, you fought for it, time comes and you should leave and someone else comes. You don't fight for your own self, but you fight for others. That was a very good example to every one of us. My name is Nwagawa Sharot. I'm the Vice Guild President Campaign International University. Personally, what I learned from Nelson Mandela was he lived as a leader of a, a great example of a leader whereby you can draw so many lessons from him. Even if someone has a shortest period of time in leadership, if someone is accomplishes or her objectives, his or her goals, he or she can achieve them even in that limited period of time. My name is Okelo John. I'm a student of Kansanga City Secondary School uh, with Nelson Mandela. People can what people can learn from him is endurance. Yeah, people if you endure, you can achieve what you need. Many thanks to you, our listeners, for contributing your opinion to the show. This is Upfront on the Voice of America. I'm Jackson Vungani. And let's start the show in Johannesburg, South Africa. Reports by human rights groups say that citizens in many African countries still struggle with issues linked to restrictions on their freedom of expression, peaceful assembly and association. Some governments have gone as far as passing legislation to restrict civil society activists and journalists. But despite these challenges, civil society organizations and grassroots movements across the continent still play a crucial role in advocating for human rights, social justice, and holding governments accountable. And because of their work, many of them face prosecution, unfair judicial processes, and in many cases, end up in jail. 
An ongoing campaign by Civicus, a global civil society alliance, is raising awareness regarding the state of human rights defenders who are subjected to judicial prosecution and detention. The organization is advocating for their release. David Cody is Civicus's lead for advocacy and campaigns. He joins me from Johannesburg, South Africa, to talk about the hashtag Stand As My Witness campaign and how that connects with the annual Global Mandela Day. How do, how do you in South Africa celebrate Mandela Day? It's a day of reflection uh, for many of us in South Africa, uh, but we also use the day based on the principles of Ubuntu, Ubuntu means brotherliness that Mandela, Mandela espoused. Um, everyone in South Africa is uh, encouraged to spend 67 minutes uh, to, to do something that makes a difference uh, in, in their communities or uh, in uh, wherever they think they can make a difference. Uh, so uh, 67 minutes is in memory of the 67 years that Nelson Mandela spent servi- in service uh, to the public. So you will see a lot of uh, you know people who work in different organizations, individuals, uh, you know celebrities, and, and community members all uh, you know venturing into you know uh, townships or areas where there's need to or schools or other public areas hospitals and they do a deed uh, that is beneficial to that community there's mm. also lots of conversations around espousing and copying the principles that Mandela stood for and what was particularly significant this Nelson Mandela day uh, on, on Tuesday, uh, the 18th, was that the president of South Africa unveiled a statue in honor of Nelson Mandela in his hometown. What do you see as the legacy of the Nelson Mandela, especially for this young generation? At the core of the legacy is the issue of reconciliation. Uh, so this was a man who was in prison for 27 years and then uh, came out of jail and defied what many people expected him to do, which was revenge against the white minority. He came out of prison and instead preached reconciliation. So he's known as the father of South Africa because at the time when he was released from jail in 1990, the country could have uh, uh, turned into something Uh, that would have taken generations to recover from, i.e. a civil war. But he preached reconciliation with those who considered him an enemy or even a terrorist. And so that message resonates around the globe, even today, particularly at a time where you look, uh, you know, um, you turn left, there's conflict in in, 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 in Ukraine, uh, you move towards Africa, there's a conflict in Sudan, uh, there's a crisis and insurgency in, in, in the Sahel part of Africa. And, mm-hmm. and there are just so many economic uh, issues that are affecting citizens around the world. And what Mandela stood for was instead of, you know, uh, contending with each other and getting into conflict, let's find common ground. 
let's reconcile. And he also preached the, the message of peace. While he was president, he led many peace missions in Africa and across different countries of the world. So one of the legacies that he leaves is the aspiration for states, for communities, and for individuals to often forge ways of living in peace despite the differences that we may have. So let's talk about uh, this campaign that your organization is uh, spearheading, uh, the hashtag Stand As My Witness campaign. What is the goal of this campaign? The goal of the campaign is to shed light on human rights defenders across the world uh, who are in prison for their human rights activities. And so, like Nelson Mandela, many of the human rights defenders that we profile on the campaign uh, are in prison because, you know, they spoke about human rights, they spoke about the need for states to uh, be more assertive and in dealing with corruption. They spoke about the need for women, for example, to be free to either put on veils or, or, or not be able to put on veils as they wish. They spoke about the need for women to be able to drive in certain countries. They spoke about the need for uh, for, for, for leaders to, to be more transparent in terms of how they, uh, you know, they spend public funds. Uh, so the, the, the core of the campaign is really to, to say uh, Nelson Mandela was in prison for 27 years. Unlike him, many of these human rights defenders are in prison for, uh, for uh, actions which are not criminal, but they are treated as criminals. And mm. so the core is to engage with governments um, and those who have imprisoned them to, uh, to release them. Uh, in the in the spirit of Nelson Mandela. Now, in which countries are these activists held, and under what pretext are they often jailed? I'm, I'm sure they're not uh, charged or often charged with an actual statute that says it's illegal to call for governments to respect their citizens' human rights, so it's illegal to, to fight against corruption. Mm. So we uh, many of the activists are actually charged by governments who use the most serious charges uh, or accusations that countries have. <clears throat> so at the moment, we have two uh, activists who are from Eswatini, uh, and they are pro-democracy activists. All they did was to call for democratic reforms. They have been charged using uh, terrorism laws. Uh, we have an activist from Bahrain, uh, uh, who has been in prison for more than 10 years, was, in, was put in jail in 2011 for also calling for democratic reforms. And he's been charged with uh, promoting instability. There are two activists who are in prison in Eswatini. Uh, and all they did um, in, in July of 2021 was to call for democratic reforms. And they have been charged with um terrorism under terrorism laws and uh, they have not been sentenced yet and they face up to 10 years in in, in prison uh even though they've been held since 2021 and then there's uh one other activist in bahrain who has been in prison for more than 10 years for simply also calling for um democratic reforms he also has been charged with 
instability, violence, and for promoting disorder in the state. Uh, and then if you move to Belarus, uh, you know, since um, elections were held there in 2020 or 2021, uh, the government just went on a rampage and arrested those who said the elections were not free and fair. We have about seven human rights defenders from a human rights group called Viasna that has been working on <clears throat> human rights for decades. And they also have been charged with uh, tax evasion and, and violating public order. Uh, when you go to a country like Hong Kong, um, that also um, um, says it's a democracy. There's an activist who has been in prison since 2021 for advocating for the promotion of labor rights and for calling uh, uh, out the government against, you know, the violent reprisal of protests. So it's similar charges using the most serious laws of the country. We have activists in the United Arab Emirates, again in prison for more than a decade, uh, some in India, some in Algeria, in, in Iran, uh, and as far as field as uh, Guatemala and Tajikistan. Many of them are charged under security-related laws. And the, one of the concerns we have about these laws is that they have the most uh, intense sentences. And many at times, uh, the judicial processes are not uh, uh, in line with international human rights standards or international legal standards. That was David Cody, the lead for advocacy and campaigns for the organization Civicus, which is a global civil society alliance based in South Africa. This is Upfront on the Voice of America. I'm Jackson Vongani. Legendary Nigerian musician Chief Osita Osadebe is remembered as one of the pioneers of modern high-life music. He was well known for having a distinctive sound with rhythmic guitar rhymes and thought-provoking lyrics. Chief Osadebe passed away in 2007, leaving behind a large catalog of well-known songs that are being used as an inspiration by numerous musicians in West Africa and in the diaspora. His son, Okwe Osadebe, started singing and dancing in his father's band from a young age. And as he charts his own path in music, he draws inspiration from his father's legacy of infusing modern elements into traditional high-life music. I reached him at his home in Rhode Island here in the U.S. to talk about his new album, Ibo Amaka, which he says is a tribute to his late father. Okay, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, so tell us about your new album. What inspired you? How long have you been working on it? Yeah, what inspired me is one thing for sure is keeping up with my father's legacy. And secondly, I, you know, music is just in my blood. I, I couldn't run away from it, no matter how hard I may choose to do it, but it keeps calling me back. And um, I've been working on it for a few years, you know, you know, I've had a band over the you know over a decade. You know, I've been doing music you know more than a decade now. So, but this particular song, I wanted to bring out something that represents what my father, you know, labored for over half a century. 
why don't you tell us a little bit about your father? Obviously, a very legendary figure in African music. Tell us about、uh, how he influenced your sound and the kind of impact that he had on African music in general. My father is basically a traditionalist. Everything about culture and Africa, he cherished. He loved it. So when he was young, straight out of you know high school. You know, while in high school, he he you know he just jumped into music, and he never looked back. You know,、uh, in the in the late fifties, middle fifties, nineteen fifty five, fifty six, fifty seven, he just took the bulls by the horn and started off his career in music, and he stayed true to his culture. High life music, as you know, originated from Ghana, in Nigeria. Embraced it instant, you know, like almost immediately. After a while, he started putting his own influence on it. He started adding so much different things and folk rhythms into the original high life beat, and and that was well accepted by the public, you know, and. It just took off. Before we know it, they started calling him Doctor of Hypertension. You know, consistent King of High Life. You know, you know, King of High Life, High Life Master. You know, High Life Legend. You know, they have so many names for him.、Mm. And so that's how you know he just kept on going. And he is the most prolific songwriter Africa ever had. Did he? Did you grow up with him? Oh, absolutely! Yes,、okay. I was dance. I started dancing for my father when I was five years old. Like literally, I would on stage. You know, me, my, younger, my younger sister Wando, we're dancing for my father on stage. You know, wherever he goes, from childhood, in his living, in our living room, him、oh. and his friends are sitting down, and he would play his song and call me out, and I would start dancing, and they start throwing money at me. You know what we call spraying money. <laughs> What are some of your earliest memories with him、uh, as a musician and then as a performer yourself?、Um, when you, when we are little growing up, you really can't grasp the mag, you know, the the, the magnificent、uh, and the, the the whole, you know, enormity of his personality. That time, I'm what was like nonchalant. I was just. Doing what he, you know, what everybody loves me to do. They love the way I dance. They love the way I represent the family, and I was just doing it. I never really understood the magnanimity, the magnanimity of my father's strength in influencing people with his music and all of that. Until much later, in the, you know, when I was in my late high school, and then I began to see certain things that, you know. I never paid attention to like when he shows up in a public place, people will just crowd him. So I want I want you to sing for us a couple of lines from your father's one of your father's、uh, most popular songs, your favorite. All right, I'll sing one of the, the one they call national anthem, Nigeria's national anthem. <laughs> That's a name dubbed by Nigerians. <laughs> you know, you know they told that to me because I never, you know, you know, and I mean, okay, so it's called Ebezema. When the major 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 bell. Ebezinao, 
You're listening to Upfront on the Voice of America. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. Yo, 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 yo. yo. You are listening to Upfront on the Voice of America. Can you hear me? With Jackson Bugatti. Hello, I'm enjoying your program. I'm Richard Martin Smolke from Nigeria, Karaba State. Gembu, Southern Local Government. Thank you very much. Hi, this is Liz Kemigisha from Kampala, Uganda, and I love listening to Upfront. Happy 60 years anniversary to VOA Africa. Congratulations. My name is Bob William from Bene City, Nigeria. How do you get international news? Radio, television, social media, or all of the above? Stay engaged with VOA Africa. You can call us 24/7 on WhatsApp. Leave a message, comments, or greetings. We may play your message on VOA Africa. Dial the international code plus one, then two zero two two five eight three zero seven six. Welcome back. This is Upfront on the Voice of America. I'm Jackson Vungani, and let's go to Guinea in the capital Conakry. Our correspondent Karim Kamara reports on young people crossing into the country from neighboring Sierra Leone looking for work. Many of them have been able to secure employment in road construction and private security companies, while others are doing business which they say is flourishing. Many young Sierra Leoneans who fled their country into Guinea in the 90s during the rebel war returned back home after the war officially ended in 2022 to embark on the reconstruction process of their country. And majority of them were employed by international institutions, private and government parastatals. But now the situation is totally different in Sierra Leone. Majority of the upgrowing youth have been left without employment in their country which has forced many of them from all ages to cross the borders in numbers into Guinea in search of durable and profitable employment. 30-year-old Abdul Karim Sani from the capital Freetown is a teacher and at the same time owned a business shop here in Conakry. He is one of those who have migrated to Guinea for economic reasons. He was in his shop when I caught up with him and he gives the following reasons why he chose to leave Sierra Leone for Guinea. The reason for this um, trend is nothing other than bad governance. We have seen the devaluation of the Leones, more than 200%. We have seen the rise in prices of food stock and basic services. And can you compare now your lifestyle here in Guinea to that of Sierra Leone before you left? Yes, of course. I've seen a massive improvement in my standard of living, particularly in Guinea. We are enjoying 24 hours seven days a week on stopped electric supply, clean pipe-borne water that is drinkable, and we have also seen improvement in security despite it's a, a military regime. But Guinea is more secured than Sierra Leone. Here, even though some of us are un- unemployed, but it is not as difficult as in our own country, in Sierra Leone particularly. We have seen huge mass of Sierra Leonean beggars, the amputees, the blind, the deaf, 
the disabled are coming to Guinea en masse begging the streets of Conakry, which, which have reduced us into laughable stock in this country. You are a teacher. Do you think the salary you are earning here in Guinea is um, that much sufficient to take care of um, your family back at home in Sierra Leone? Well, um, I can take care of myself and the, the bits and pieces that I, I have been gathering, it's like sometimes I do send little for my family back in Sierra Leone. Because here, having at least, I mean, a $200 every month, having paid my rent, the rest sometimes I do send to my family back home. And they are appreciating. Indeed, among those who have fled the economic hardships in Sierra Leone is also a group of people suffering from disabilities and are on the street of Conakry begging. I met them in a camp called City de Solidarity, or Housing of Solidarity, built by the Guinean authorities to house disabled people. Their chairman is 34-year-old Francis Cissé. He is from the northern town of Potloko in Sierra Leone, close to the Guinean border. I met him sitting in his homemade wooden wheelchair when he explains why, as disabled people, uh, they decided to cross the borders into Guinea. Now we come from Salo, over 50. They are the ones who came from Sierra Leone, over 50 of them. He says they came from the towns of Potloko, Cambia, and the capital, Freetown. He says in Sierra Leone, the hardship is acute. He says there is nothing at present going on in Sierra Leone. No work and living is difficult. He says this is why many of them, Sierra Leoneans, have fled into Guinea. He says here in Guinea, they thank God because since they came here, they have been able to hand their living and what they can send back to their relatives back home and the little they save here. Praise be to God. Over 200 of these young Sierra Leoneans are employed by different road construction companies here in Conakry, some by private security firms. Abu Conte is a 24-year-old boy and a native of Makeni, a town in the north of Sierra Leone. Here in Guinea, Abu works for a Chinese road construction company. He says because of poverty, he didn't continue his schooling in Sierra Leone. Abu was on the field working when I talked to him. I dropped out of school because people did not pay my school fees. He says he dropped out of school due to poverty. His parents were unable to pay his school fees. He says the economic situation in Sierra Leone is terrible. He says some women have divorced their husbands due to abject poverty. He says today he is taking care of his parents back home as he earns about $300 a month. A good number of other Therilunians are also doing artisanal fishing in the coastal towns of Guinea. Some says they could only return back home if the economic situation in the country improves, while others, they say they are looking for money to be able to autofinance their education during next academic year. Reporting for VOA Africa, I am Karim Kamara in Conakry. And with that, we come to the end of our show today. Many thanks to all our guests and to you, our listeners, for tuning in. Visit us at voaafrica.com and on our social media on Instagram and Facebook at VOA Upfront. I'm Jackson Vungani. Let's connect again same time here on The Voice of America. Hello Africa, this is James Barty, host of Daybreak Africa, inviting you to join me every weekday morning at 3, 4, 5, and 6 hours UTC as we bring you the latest in African news, features, and sports. You can also be a part of Daybreak Africa through our listener mail segment 
by sending your comments and opinions to daybreakafrica at voanews.com. You can also call us and leave us a voicemail at 202-205-9942. That's 202-205-9942. And when you hear the Voice of America identification, press the number 25 to leave us your message. Start your day with Daybreak Africa every weekday morning at 3, 4, 5, and 6 hours UTC on The Voice of America. When news breaks, VOA Africa is there. Tune in to our news shows, Daybreak Africa, African News Tonight, and the International Edition. Our newscasts are available on top of each hour, 24-7. VOA Africa, your trusted source for news. Everyone is looking for something special when maybe they should just listen instead. The VOA's African Music Mix will soothe your nerves and calm your head. Tune in from 0 to 300 UTC and 1100 to 1300 hours UTC to make you feel good. So treat yourself to that something special. Join your host, Larry London, for Border Crossings, VOA's Worldwide Music Request Hour, every weekday at 1500 Universal. Tune in to hear your favorite songs and artists, win prizes and giveaways, and get the latest scoop from exclusive celebrity interviews. Send in requests to our Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, or call 202-618-2077 to have your favorite music played for the entire world. Don't miss Border Crossings every weekday at 1500 Universal. 